Open your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 5. Zechariah 4 and Matthew 5. Man, I enjoyed the song service this morning. Thank you all you folks who put that together. What a blessing that is. Zechariah chapter 4. Now, I don't have, I'm not going to take the time this morning to do a a big review about uh, where we are in the book of Zechariah. But Zechariah for us today, it was written to Israel to tell them that, that God has a plan for Israel, for Jerusalem. They had just come back from the 70 years of captivity. They had been there for 14 years. They had begun well, but then they had become distracted. So God sent Haggai and then six months later, Zechariah, to prophesy to the people to finish the work, to finish the temple, that God was not done with God's people and he had a plan for them. This vision is the vision of the candlestick and then the two anointed ones. Let's start reading Zechariah chapter 4, and we're going to read the whole chapter. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. Now remember, all these visions happen in the same night, and he's not asleep. He's saying, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. As a man, he said he was thinking about all the visions that he had had. And he said, look here. And he got his attention again. Verse 2. And he said unto me, what seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel is the governor that God has placed over the people at that time. All right? So he said, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, middle of verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. So this is talking about the temple that is going to be rebuilt. And this is the the work that God is calling them to. And thou shalt know that the Lord of of hosts hath sent me unto you. Now remember, the Lord of hosts is used all through this text. And it has to do with God leading his people in battle. Anytime you see the Lord of hosts, that's what it's about. Verse 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? That's what we looked at last week. For they shall rejoice and see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now, if you look back in one of our previous messages about these seven eyes, this is the Holy Spirit. You can trace it through the scriptures. The Holy Spirit has perfect knowledge about what's going on in the world. That's what the seven eyes is talking about, the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 11, Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick? And upon the left side thereof. And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the golden, the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, 
No, my Lord, what would you say, right? Then said he, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Lord, help us now as we try to understand this text and make some practical application to it. What an amazing picture this is. Lord, help us to do it justice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes I am frustrated by the, the, my limited capacity to paint a picture. I googled the menorah from Zechariah, a picture of it, to see what artists had done to try and, do, and, and render this. And I couldn't find any that really took all of the aspects of the text. So we're going to look at it this morning, and then we're going to see some practical things. Then tonight we'll look at the, the two olive trees and what they mean. So let's look at the key components to the vision. The first thing is a candlestick, and we would call it a menorah. Now, at Hanukkah, you'll see an, a, a menorah that has nine candles in it. That's only used at Hanukkah. The rest of the time in the temple or in the uh, what would have been used in the temple or in Jewish worship, it's got seven candles. And the, the nine candle at Hanukkah, that's to commemorate the Maccabean revolt. So uh, I think it was Jacobus Maccabee fought against the Seleucids in 165 B.C. Now, how many of you are having revival because you just love all that little history? And what happened was the Seleucids, remember, Alexander the Great had conquered the world 28 years old, and he, he was in despair because he had no more worlds to conquer. And he divided it. He, rather than leaving it to one leader, he said, leave it to the strong. And so it was divided into four groups, the Ptolemies, the Seleucids, the others. And the, then so there was battles all along. The Seleucids, Seleucid had the... Um, the Babylonian area, and that expanded into what would be the, the nation of Israel. And so they were, this is between Malachi and Matthew. This is the period between there. The Seleucids have conquered that area, and they are bringing Hellenistic, so Greek philosophy, Greek ideas into Israel, and Israel's fighting against it. And so that's what the Maccabean revolt was. So when they were able to win and kick them out for a period of time, the celebration for that is Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah is, not Hanukkah. Hanukkah. That's different. And so that nine-candle uh, menorah is only used at Hanukkah, and that's because there was only enough sacred oil to burn for one day, but it miraculously burned for eight days. And that's how long it took them to get the right oil for that lamp. So it burned for eight days. So now there are eight candles in the menorah. The ninth is the shamash, and that is the one they use to light the other eight. So when you see a seven-candled menorah, that's the standard menorah for Judaism. The nine-candled menorah, that's only used at Hanukkah. How many of you are so thankful you came to Grace Baptist and learned that today? Okay, so let's go on. So it's a menorah, and the purpose of the menorah was to provide light in the temple. Exodus thirty-five fourteen: the candlestick also for the light and his furniture and his lamps with the oil for the light. So the purpose of it was to provide light in the temple. But remember, everything in the temple has a prophetic and symbolic meaning. And the, so we're going to get to that in a minute. So you had the candlestick and then the bowl on top of the candlestick. So what I want you to picture is a menorah. How many of you know what a menorah looks like? All right. So it's a candlestick that looks like this, one in the middle, three on each side on a stand. But on this one, 
there was a big bowl on top that had oil in it. And there were pipes from the bowl that would run down to a vessel at the top of each of those candlesticks. And so that bowl has the oil and the, the oil would flow into those candlesticks so that they could all burn. That's the picture of what he saw. But not only was there that, there were seven lamps on the candlesticks. So the seven individual arms, seven receptacles for the oil, and then seven pipes running from the bowl down to the seven lamps. Don't unplug. There's a reason for all of this. We're going to get to it in a second. And I could tell. Some of you were gone already. I could tell. All right? So now there's also the two olive trees. So you have this bowl on top of this candlestick, and there's seven pipes running out of that bowl into individual receptacles for each candlestick. And then on each side, there's an olive tree. And out of each olive tree is a branch that runs into a bowl, and those branches provide the oil for the bowl that goes down through the pipes into the seven receptacles so that it burns. All right? No one's coming to the altar. I'm not seeing any great revival taking place in the service. That's, that's the picture. All right. So those are the key components to the vision. What does it mean? What's the meaning of the vision? So remember, whenever we look for meaning, we need to look at what did, Ze what did God intend for the people to understand from Zechariah when it was written? What did they need to understand? Well, the meaning of the vision, the menorah pictures several things in the Bible. It pictures Israel and its mission. So keep your place in Zechariah. Go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his favor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So remember, a lot of people get confused. They look at the, the Beatitudes, Jesus Christ's message here, and they try to apply it to us today. Well, we can learn things from it, but this was to Israel. Jesus Christ was presenting himself as the Messiah to Israel. So that's what this is about. And so Jesus is saying, look, Israel, you had a purpose in this world. If you, and that purpose is to be salt. And what does salt do? Salt preserves, salt cleanses, salt seasons. But if it loses that savor, if it loses its saltness or saltiness, all it's good for is to be thrown out into the ground and it's trodden under men's feet. Now we're going to do that here in a month or so, right? That's exactly the picture that you see. And that's exactly what happens to Israel. They're trodden under men's feet. 70 A.D., they're destroyed. The nation is destroyed. They're scattered all over the world. That is going to happen. But look at what he says in the meantime, verse 14. Have any of you ever heard this verse before? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Jerusalem is that city set on a hill. Jerusalem is the city of God. Remember the Bible? is a book of a tale of two cities, the city of God and the city of Satan. Jerusalem is the city of God. It's mentioned more than 300 times. Babylon is the city of Satan. It's mentioned 280 times. Israel, Jerusalem, is that light of the world. They were created to be a light 
to the Gentiles. So in, back in Zechariah chapter 4, when you see this candlestick, that candlestick represents Israel, and they get their power from God. Remember, oil in the Bible is always the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit providing power to Israel. They, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, were supposed to be a light to the world to show them who the one true God was and is. That's what they were supposed to do, but they didn't do that. They failed. So the message to them was that Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. Let me read you a verse. It's Isaiah 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. I will hold thine hand. I will keep thee. I give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. That's what Israel was. They were a light to light the Gentiles. Not only does the Bible use that lamp, that menorah, as a picture of Israel, but it's also a picture of God's Word. But remember, don't ever confuse it. We got God's Word through the Jews. Romans chapter 9, you know, why are the Jews better? Romans chapter 3, because unto them were given the oracles of God. They were given the Scriptures. All right? But then the Bible says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then the menorah also is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Revelation 4, 5 says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So I've already mentioned the seven eyes of God, the seven spirits of God. That's God's perfect Holy Spirit, that number seven, number of perfection and completeness. So the menorah, that candle, represents Israel in the world. It represents uh, the scriptures. Remember that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That candlestick, it was giving light on that table of showbread. And then Luke 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. The Bible's the, the, the written word of God is the bread of life. That light on the word of God. It's just all fit together. And we could trace those things through the scriptures. We're not going to do that tonight. But what's interesting, what does that mean for us today? Let me get to that in just a second. Why did that change? Why is Israel no longer a light to the world? Though the revelation of the glory of God was granted to Israel for her own enlightenment, so that she might be a light to all the nations. Now, how many of you recognize they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles? Is that clear in the Scriptures? But what did they do? They persecuted and killed the prophets. They disobeyed the Word of God. They lapsed into the disgraceful idolatry of the nations to whom they were sent to be light. They were supposed to light those nations, but rather than showing the glory of God and the truth of God in those nations, they became like those nations. Then, of course, ultimately they crucified the Redeemer when He came to earth to fulfill those messianic promises. So that act... The act of crucifying the Savior, it culminated in the nation's failure as a light to the nations. So what ended up happening? The destruction of the temple. The end of the nation's true worship. I want you to think about something. The temple's destroyed. In the book of Revelation, God says it this way. I will come and remove your candlestick. So what did He do? He removed their candlestick. They're no longer the light to the nations. When Jesus died, the whole temple ritual became meaningless as a result of its fulfillment in Him whom the nation crucified and was a travesty. 
until it was ultimately destroyed in 70 AD. Remember what happened when Jesus Christ died on the cross. That veil was rent in two from top to bottom. What does that mean? The temple sacrifice was over. It was over. We now have access to the throne of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. But that temple, that, that, that light in the temple, this image was that Israel was to be a light. Israel was to, to take the stand for God in the world. And they were supposed to finish the temple Zerubbabel would start it. Zerubbabel would finish it. Joshua the priest would be there with him. That's the promise. That's the vision to the people in Zechariah chapter 4. But what does it mean today? So that's what it meant then. What does it mean today? With Israel's candlestick removed, responsibility for bearing the light of testimony to the world, it passed on to someone else. Who did it pass to? Go to Revelation chapter 1. This is an interesting thing. Y'all doing all right this morning? Amen. Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Does does that sound like uh, the book of Zechariah? That language is really interesting. And so this is an angel speaking to John. And now look at what it says. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And it goes on to describe the Lord. But what do we see? Seven golden candlesticks. Seven. So, though the revelation was supposed to come through Israel, they rejected him. Now blindness and part has happened unto the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Luke chapter 19, because you missed this thy day, now these things are hid from thine eyes and you're going to be trodden underfoot. Going to be trodden. Does that sound anything like Matthew chapter 5? That's what happened to Israel. So, with Israel's candlestick removed, responsibility for bearing the light of testimony to the world passed to the church. But this, this is so cool. Okay, now, now you guys can wake up again. So, you, this, this is for us. What does this mean today? That responsibility for being the light in the world passed from Israel. Now, let me just stop right there for a second. The church did not replace Israel. God is not finished with Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we try to give the gospel to as many Jews as we possibly can. We love them. We are not anti-Semitic. Don't ever let anyone accuse you of hating the Jews. We love the Jews. We love them. They need to be saved. Like the Apostle Paul said, he wished that he could give up his own salvation for his kinsmen after the flesh, who are Israelites, he said. So I have to stop and and make that, that, that statement They are no longer the glory of God in the world, but they will be. Okay? Right now, that glory has transferred to someone else. It's interesting that the church is now pictured not by a candlestick like Israel was in Zechariah 4. Y'all see that? It's one candlestick with seven lamps. How many of you know that that's what's happened in Zechariah 4? I'll start over. I will. It's it's, It's one candlestick. What's interesting in Revelation 
there are seven candlesticks. For each of the seven churches spoken to in chapters 2 and 3. It's very interesting. The church is pictured by seven candlesticks. This is the one church of God in seven ages. So there's not many different bodies of Christ. There's one body, and it's Jesus Christ. Every saved person, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the Bible says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, one Lord, one baptism. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit by God into Jesus Christ's body. So where is Christ's body right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says that we are, if you're saved, if you're born again, if you're not born again, you're not there. If you're not born again, you're an enemy of God and you need to become His friend. And the only way that can happen is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You just need to ask Him to save you. If you tell Him, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I believe that you're God, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead paying for my sin. I believe that. And I know there's nothing else I can do. Getting baptized doesn't help. Taking communion doesn't help. Giving money to the church doesn't help. The only way that I can be saved is through you. Please save me. If you'll ask Him to save you, then you become a part of the body of Christ. Baptism doesn't do it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does it. Water baptism will never save anyone at all. The, the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians one seventeen said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That means that, means that baptism is not a part of the gospel. Very important for you to understand that. Then why do we baptize? Because Jesus told us to. And then Paul ordained other elders in those cities through Titus to baptize in each of those churches. That's why we baptize. But baptism doesn't have, any, have anything to do with salvation. So the only way that you can become a part of that body of Christ is you've got to get saved. You must be born again. Those of us who are saved, we are in the body of Christ. And we are, not will be, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. And someday, if it happens before we die, we're going to be taken up to meet Him at the rapture. Okay? So now, this church is seen through seven ages. So those are the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, right? Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Seven churches, seven periods of time. Unlike Israel, who possessed one earthly center, the church cannot be represented as an absolute Unity, one light-bearing nation. See, because the United States, how many of you think the United States is the great picture of the gospel in the world? No, no. But God has believers all over the world worshiping together the one true God, our one Savior, through local assemblies. That's why there's not one lamp representing all of us. It's individual lamps. So it's an important thing. We are a spiritual unity under the headship of Christ, but we are all independent churches in government, in external order. That's the, the individual candlesticks. Now, the sad thing is that just like Israel ultimately rejected Jesus Christ, the churches are going to do that. We are in this Laodicean age right now where it's very difficult to find a Bible-preaching church. It's so interesting. We'll have, we'll have people from Grace Baptist who will move to 
Texas. <laughs> and here's what people think. Man, there's got to be good churches in Texas. And they go from church to church to church to church. It is so difficult to find a Bible-preaching church. Not a church that's just like Grace Baptist. Churches can have their own flavor and personality, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about churches that open up the Bible and say, Thus saith the Lord, that believe every word of this and preach it. It's, when the Bible says, When he returns, will he find faith in the earth? The Bible describes Jesus Christ, and it says he has a name that no man knoweth. Later on, you find out that his name is the Word of God. When Jesus Christ returns, it's like no one in the world knows his Word. That's the direction. And so we understand that that's where the world is going to end up. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And the Bible says they're going to deceive many, and people are going to follow that deceptive teaching. How many of you know that's the world that we live in right now? Isn't that right? The light of Laodicea is quenched in apostasy. It's interesting. The church ceases to exist as we know it. The gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that ceases being preached when Jesus Christ returns to establish His kingdom. Because what we'll see then is the resurrected Savior. We'll be worshiping Him. We'll be following Him. What happens at that time? That's not the... So when I said that the, the church worship ends... We are all going to worship together when God restores Israel and he sits on the throne of David in Jerusalem and he teaches his law. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that an exciting thing? But don't miss this. Keep your place. Uh, I think we can be done with Revelation. Go to Ephesians 3. Make sure there's no confusion. Ephesians 3, look at verse 21. I therefore... Uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, verse 21. Unto Him, that's God the Father, be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We don't cease to worship in God. We don't, we don't cease to, to uh, continue to worship God. The church is taken out of this world. We're gathered together in Christ. That's the redemption of all things, the Bible says. Okay? So all of us who are saved, we're gathered together. We go to heaven for seven years while God purges Israel. And ultimately, two-thirds of Israel dies. One-third of them Finally say, you're our God, we're your pe- uh, you are our God, we are your people. What happens then is Jesus Christ returns back to the earth with us. And Jesus Christ establishes his thousand-year kingdom, and we as the church rule and reign with him, and we become judges on the earth, the Bible says. That's what we're doing. The reason the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a different message at that point is because we don't need new bodies. We have new bodies. We don't need to be born again. We are born again. 
Those people that come into the kingdom through the tribulation period, they have to learn who Jesus Christ is. Amen? And some of them end up dying in the millennium because they don't have that new body. All of that takes place all the way at the end of the kingdom. So it's really important that you understand how all of that works. I'm not going to go into any more detail on that right now. We've done it in other settings. So not only are her governmental scepter and kingdom, Israel, restored after her long night of dispersion and persecution, but her candlestick of testimony will also be reinstated. This is the significance of Zechariah's vision. The contrast of the candlestick of his vision with that of the tabernacle. It accentuates this fact. So this picture of this candlestick in Zechariah, that's a different picture than the picture in, in Exodus. This is specific. Israel, this is who you are supposed to be. We understand they didn't do that. But what God is saying in the book of Zechariah is, I will do this. This is going to happen. This is Israel's future. It will happen. All right? Now, what does this have to do with me? That's a good question, isn't it? What does this have to do with me? Just as God wanted Israel to be a light to the nations, God wants my church to be a light to the nations. Amen? Remember, we're individual churches under the headship of Jesus Christ. There's one body. There's one church which is His body. That's it. There is no one church on earth that has all the truth that no one else has. There is not one universal church on earth. What do I mean? What do I mean by that? That Grace Baptist Church, God forbid, if we go into apostasy, that will not change God's work. If we were in control of all the churches and we went bad, then all the churches would go bad. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for autonomous, that means self-governing, independent churches. It's that cell group concept that Satan cannot defeat. Amen? And, but God does intend, as long as we are a Bible-preaching New Testament church, God ex expects us to be a light to the nations, a light in the world. So, but what does my church being a light mean? It means that I, as a member of Christ's body, and also a member of this local church, listen, listen to this, I am a light in the world. So let's, let's track down some verses and we'll be done. Are you all okay? I'm watching some folks go to sleep. And it can't be because I'm boring. All right, go, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. That was a big setup. This is the sermon. John chapter 8. Look at verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. How many of you know Jesus is the light of the world? Right? I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall, what's that next word? Have the light of life. It's interesting. Jesus said to Israel, you're the light. You're the light set on a hill. You're the light to the nations. That's what you're supposed to be, right? Jesus said that if we'll follow him, remember John was written after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So here we understand that we actually have that light. How many of you have Jesus Christ in you? Right? You have that light. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. 
I know some of that stuff about the church and Israel and the millennium and all that. If you've not heard that stuff, that can be confusing. Don't even worry about that. What you need to understand is that God intended for Israel to be a light to the nations. They stopped doing that and crucified Jesus. So what God did was he established the church. And now the churches are supposed to be his light in the nations. Then Jesus Christ is going to come back to every saved person and take us out. And then Israel will again be the light to the nations. That's, that's God's plan. Is that a little simpler? Does that make sense? Okay. So now, look at Ephesians chapter 5. And look at verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now... What are those next two words? Are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Now remember, I'm not light. I'm light because I'm in Christ. It's not me, it's Him. Are you all with me on that? And then look at what it says, verse 8 and verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Does that sound kind of like that salt in the world, lighting the world? I was, uh, I used to, before I started selling siding, I had a job going in after the salesman had been there and they had applied for credit. And I would go and get the finance papers signed. And but this was when you might be paying 18 or 21% interest for that job. And so my job was to make sure they'd sign. I went to this place in Indianapolis once, and the guy invited me in, and it was real dark. It smelled, it started burning my throat as soon as I walked into this house. And he turned on a light, and he went like this on the table because it was black with cockroaches completely covered. He turned on that light. They were everywhere and they started running. Ooh. <laughs> and they sighted that house. I think that's just hilarious. You need to be burned to the ground. What did that light do? That light, were those cockroaches already there? The light just revealed that they were there. What the light is supposed to do, the reason that our testimony in the world is so offensive to people is not because they really think we're trying to act better than them. They'll say that. How many of you ever had somebody say that to you? It's because your righteousness, which you get from Christ, it reveals their sin to them. Have you ever been in a situation where you've tried to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you go to a place, a family reunion or whatever, and your children, be, they obviously behave differently than the other children. If they don't, shame on you. I just changed my message. Open your button. No. If they don't, shame on you. But what, what happens? That light is convicting. And it's very interesting. There have been grandparents saved because of the testimony of an eight-year-old. Because that eight-year-old is light in the world. Because they have great wisdom? No. Because they have been raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they understand the truth of God. By the way that they live because of the way that they're raised. So, look what the text says. 
proving, verse 10, what is acceptable. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, verse 11, verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Those are those cockroaches. They're made plain. You can see them. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee what? Light. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2. Next book over, Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean work to, to get saved. Make sure you are saved in fear and trembling because you need to make sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Then look at what it says. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He gives you the desire and the ability to do His will, to do His good pleasure. Verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Now that sons of God, remember, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. All right? That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom... Ye shine as lights in the world. How do we do that? Holding forth the word of life. See, what we're supposed to be in the world are God's people who say they believe God's word. They speak God's word. They hand out God's word. They invite people to hear the preaching of God's word. That's how we shine in this perverse nation. That's who we are to be. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 4. Start reading in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, now we're in verse 2. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, making plain that truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's Satan, right? In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the what? Light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. How does that gospel shine unto them? Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Well, that's a great statement, but how do, where is that? Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power 
may be of God and not of us. So that light that God has shined, that gospel He shined in our hearts, we have that light in us so that we become a light in the world. So what does this passage, this Zechariah, this candle, He's going to give that to Israel. God gave individual candlesticks to the churches. What does that have to do with me? I'm supposed to be light in the world. Grace Baptist Church is not Jim Alter. Grace Baptist Church is not this building. Grace Baptist Church is us. I worked with a girl from La Follette, Tennessee. She'd say, Yuns. It's Yuns. Grace Baptist Church is not me or you. It's all of us together. And our job is to individually be lights out in the world. And then we come together corporately to worship God. That's what we're supposed to do with this. So how do we put handles on this to take it home? I need to understand that my job is to bring glory to God out in the world. That's it. That's what my job is. I do that through my work. I do it through how well I study. I do it through mowing my grass, picking up the trash in my yard. All of those little things, they reflect who we are so that then we have the moral authority to shine with God's word in the world. Amen? Amen. That's who we are supposed to be. That's what we are supposed to do. Israel was intended to be the light. They're going to be the light again. In the meantime, it's up to us. Now, God's going to get His work done without us. Wouldn't it be wonderful, though, to be a part of that? A vessel of honor rather than a vessel of dishonor. We have that light in these earthen vessels, our bodies. Let's make sure that we shine. Let's make sure that we're out there telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ meeting people's needs, doing what we can to show them. A little bit of that was trunk or treat. Just a little bit. A little bit of that is you tomorrow, being, giving an encouraging word to someone who's struggling. And what's amazing is when you live Christ's light, people will come to you. Man, I'm having a hard time in my marriage. Sometimes, have you ever had that happen at work? You don't even know they know that you're a Christian and they're coming to you for help. How many of you that's happened to you? Look at around the room. It happens. That's why we need to be that light. And then on purpose, don't just wait for people to come to you. On purpose, go and tell them about who Jesus Christ is. Because listen, eternity is long. Hell is hot. Heaven is real. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. This book of Zechariah.